Thank you, guys. We're in a sermon series called Whispers from God. This is our third week in a four-week series. We've been asking the question, does God speak to me personally, directly, specifically? You know, one of the claims of Christianity is, is that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you can communicate directly with the sovereign God of the universe. In fact, if we're not communicating with God, we are missing out on one of the crucial parts of our faith. We're, in fact, we're missing out on the part of our faith that energizes our life. Now, Job tells us, Job 33, God speaks in different ways, and we don't always recognize his voice. So today, I'm going to be sharing with you some more emails that I got from you that tell your personal stories about God speaking to you. But as we start today, I wanted to take a moment and alert you to some ways that God does not speak to us. God does not speak to us through horoscopes, through tarot cards, psychics, palm reading, Ouija boards, witchcraft, or fortune cookies. Those are not reliable sources of information. In fact, if you're reading a horoscope, if you're consulting a psychic or using tarot cards, you are more likely to hear from a demon than you are to hear from God. Those things are part of the occult spirit world, and God warns us to stay away from them. I mean, look at Deuteronomy 18. Do not let your people practice fortune-telling or sorcery or allow them to interpret omens, or engage in witchcraft, or cast spells, or function as mediums, or psychics, or call forth the spirits of the dead. Read this last sentence with me. Anyone who does these things is an object of horror and disgust to the Lord. That's how serious this is. And so if you're doing any of that stuff, I would just beg with you, just stop it. Truth is, you don't need to look to that stuff for direction. God himself is seeking to communicate with you. Uh, In fact, there are nine ways that God communicates with us, and we're going to look at them today. The first most common way that God speaks to me is through the Bible. The Bible was written so that God could speak to you. 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Whatever good work you need to do, God's word is sufficient for teaching you what you need to do. Now, it says all scripture is inspired by God. Literally, it means God breathed. The Bible is God's word. It is God breathed. Now, this book was written, uh, there's actually 66 books in here that were written by almost 40 authors, farmers, fishermen, shepherds, prophets, judges, kings. And the book was written over a span of about 1,600 years. And uh, the last books were written, uh, the Gospels and the books uh, from the Apostle Paul were written in like the first century. So 2,000 years ago was when the last uh, book was written, and it was written over a period of about 1,600 years uh, before that. So if you've got this book that was written by 40 different authors over 16 centuries, 2,000 years ago, how can that book still be relevant and reliable today? Because God is the author. And God is relevant and God is reliable. 
And even though the Bible was written a long time ago, in cultures different than ours, human nature has not changed, the truth of God has not changed, and the presence of sin in the world is no different today than it was then. So we can consult the Bible and discover God's truth even on current issues. And as you search the Scriptures, God teaches you His truth. And that's why, as a believer, you need to read some of the Bible every day. Because as you read it, it begins to become ingrained in your thoughts, ingrained in your speech, ingrained in your actions, ingrained in your life. Uh, Sometimes as you're reading the Bible, uh, there will be words or a verse that will just jump off the page. It's like God puts a megaphone on that verse and it just shouts into your life. Any of you ever had that happen? You're just reading along and all... Yeah, there you go. All of a sudden there's a verse that just... Whoa! Sometimes it happens uh, even when you aren't reading the Bible. Jesus promised us the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Here's an email. When I was first saved and moved out of my boyfriend's house, I knew I wasn't supposed to see him again. But I started to drive to his house one day. My car stopped, and I couldn't get it started. I got a tow to a repair shop where they couldn't find anything wrong with it, even though they couldn't start it before they towed it away. Then I heard God say, Psalm 32.9. I didn't know what it said, so I looked it up. Here's the verse. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. I said, okay, God, I get it. Then he gave me the promise in Psalm 32, 8. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. You know, if we want God to speak to us through his word, we've got to regularly read the Bible. We need to meditate on Bible verses. We need to memorize Bible verses. And just a few minutes a day, you could read through the New Testament in just a little over 40 days. Just a few minutes a day. In fact, my small group, we're reading through the New Testament in just a little over 40 days, and we're using our phones to do it. Because we are so hip. Now, maybe you think you can't memorize verses. And maybe you can't memorize verses. But you can at least familiarize yourself with verses. You know, just pick some key Bible verses and read them over and over until you internalize what the verse says. Give the Holy Spirit something to work with. Okay? Now, a great way for God to speak to you through the Bible uh, would be for you to come to our Life Lessons on Nehemiah event that we're doing on Saturday, May 31st. On that day from 8.30 to 3 o'clock, we are going to immerse ourselves in one of the great stories out of the Bible. And trust me, if you come to that event... God will speak to you through his word in amazing ways. Now, God also speaks to us. Number two, God speaks through prayer. James 1.5, if you need wisdom, if you want to know what God wants you to do. How many of you want to know what God wants you to do? Yeah. Ask him, and he will gladly tell you. He will not resent your asking. Here's an email. I haven't always had the best luck with dating relationships. I needed to do something different, so I prayed and prayed and prayed. One evening during prayer, I heard God directly speak to me. He told me I was not in the right relationship. God told me to get out of the relationship I was in because he was sending me a husband. Sure enough, after ending the relationship, I met my husband. My husband was truly an answer to my prayers. 
Now, some of you may be scratching your head and thinking, I don't know if this is even possible because God doesn't speak to me like that. Okay? What are some reasons why God may not be able to speak? Why may, why are some, what are some reasons you may be struggling to hear God's voice? Well, the first one is, you might not be born again. If you're going to hear God's voice, you've got to be God's child. And if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, then you have not made the connection with God that he uses to communicate with you. And so if that's what's keeping you from hearing God's voice, you can take care of that today. You can trust in Jesus Christ right here today and make that connection so you can begin to hear God's voice. Now, even for people who are born again, people who are God's children, if you have unforgiveness... If, if there's somebody that you know you should forgive, but you, you haven't done it, unforgiveness will break the connection of communication that you have with God. You know, scripture says that a lack of forgiveness breaks your communication with God. Another way that can uh, keep us from hearing God's voice is believing lies about yourself. You know, some of us just have, have a voice that speaks to us that says, I'm no good, I don't matter to God, I'm worthless. And you hear that voice so loudly, so constantly, that it screams out God's words of reassurance and love. And I'd encourage you, if that's the voice that you're hearing, maybe you need to go through Celebrate Recovery. Maybe you need to work through that to discover what God truly thinks about you. Now, another way is emotional declarations, vows or oaths, things like, I will not be like my mother. I will never be like my father. Now, choosing to break ungodly patterns from the past, that's a good thing. But some of us are doing that so intently that it screens out the gentle whisper of God. You know, maybe we have become so intent, so dead set on living one way, I will not be like them, that we can't hear God tell us how he would like us to live. So if you've got those barriers, you want to work those out so that you can hear what God is saying to you. Third way God speaks to us is through teachers. 1 Thessalonians 2, when we preached to you, you didn't think of the words we spoke as being just our own, but you accepted what we said as the very word of God, which of course it was, and it changed your lives. You ever been in a worship service and, and somebody's preaching and it is just like God is speaking to you? Well, guess what? He was. Now, some of you have asked, Pastor, how do you know? How do you know what's been happening in my life? And the answer is, I go through your trash. Okay? No, that's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit of God uh, taking the message and speaking personally, particularly pointedly, right to you. Now, I study and plan what I'm going to say before I speak. Honestly, folks, I write down every word ahead of time prayerfully and carefully. I'm preaching in five services. I want to say the same thing in each one. I want God to speak through me to you, and you don't do that on the fly, on the cuff. And so I prayerfully and carefully write down everything I'm going to say, and it's amazing how ahead of time God knows who's going to be here, and he knows exactly what you need to hear, and God brings together a willing listener and, and, a, and a, a humble Bible teacher, and amazing things happen. Uh, listen to this email. The trip to the Philippines was the most obvious time God has spoken into my life. I felt the inclination to go on a mission trip a few months before the opportunity and had been praying about whether it was God wanting me to go or just me dreaming it up. 
I would hear a song, read a passage, or hear a story about the Great Commission, and it would strike me differently than before. Instead of just hearing, go and make disciples, I would hear that I needed to go. I was reading the book, Not a Fan, and was near the end when Eidelman discusses the what about there, what about now, what about this questions God will ask when we say, I will follow. I was listening to Rick Warren discuss the unchurched and that Jesus is waiting to return till they all hear and have a chance to decide. Then Pastor Don played the Go song in Rockbrook for Kids several times while I was teaching in there. My whisper from God was sheer inundation. He knew I needed to hear it numerous times from numerous teachers for it to sink in. God speaks to you through teachers. Number four, another way God speaks is through impressions. The Holy Spirit resides within us if we're born again. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us by putting ideas, thoughts, impressions in our minds. But we often hear our impressions in our own voices. I have a friend from down south, and he says, Kelly, when God speaks to me, God has a southern accent. Okay? Now, because of that, you have to be very careful when following impressions because our thoughts can come from God's spirit, our thoughts can come from our own spirit, our thoughts can come even from a demonic spirit who's trying to confuse us. Growing up, I attended a church that had a ritual of baptism at a young age. There was an understanding you would get baptized like everyone else. It held no significance for me, but I did my duty as I was told. Later, I became a Christian and never even thought about getting baptized again because I had done the ritual. One day after church at Rockbrook, I realized God was whispering to me that I needed to take the step of baptism to publicly profess my faith in Jesus Christ. But Satan was screaming, You're good! You did that baptism as a kid! But God kept whispering until I was obedient, and I am so glad I did. The first ritual had nothing to do with Jesus and everything to do with the ritual to please man. I am thankful that I took the step of obedience. You see, God's spirit, your spirit, even an evil spirit, all three of those can speak to you. And so you never want to make an important decision based just on an impression. In fact, two weeks ago, I gave you five filters that you can use to test an impression to make sure that it's God's voice that you're hearing. It's in the God-led life a sermon, and you can get it back on the CD back there. You can listen to it on rockbrook.org. But I'd encourage you, write down those five tests and use those whenever you have an impression. Uh, number five, uh, God speaks to us through counsel. Psalm 37, the godly offer good counsel. They know what is right from wrong. You know, we all have blind spots, we all have incomplete information, we all have unseen biases, and so we don't want to make a major life decision without seeking godly counsel from somebody else. And when you seek advice, you want to seek advice from someone whose life you would like to copy. You know, don't seek advice from somebody who's living a chaotic, a disordered life. Find somebody who's living a godly, ordered life and ask them what they would do, what they think of the decision you're trying to make. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And you want to grow wise, so you seek godly counsel, and God will speak to you. Number six, God also speaks to us through circumstances. 
Philippians 1, 12 through 13. Apostle Paul said, I want you to know that what has happened to me, in other words, Paul's circumstances, what has happened to me has helped to spread the good news. Now, where was Paul when he wrote uh, Philippians? He was in prison. And in prison, Paul witnessed to the Roman guards who were guarding him. And those Roman guards actually helped to start the church in Rome. In fact, Paul tells us that there were people from Caesar's own household who were in the church in Rome. While in prison, Paul wrote to the church in Philippi, the church in Ephesus. He wrote to Galatia, and he wrote to Philemon. And so while, God, while Paul was in prison, the church in Rome was started, and Paul wrote four books out of the Bible. Now, God knew that Paul would have a greater effect writing those books than he would if he was just traveling around speaking to groups of people. Okay? Now, did Paul want to be in prison? No. But God guided Paul's circumstances to accomplish what God wanted to accomplish. See, sometimes a bad circumstance is God putting us in the situation, in the location that God wants us to be in, in order to accomplish His purpose. Now, sometimes we don't recognize it. We may even resent it. We may resist it. But right now, do you think God is unaware of your circumstances? You know, do you think God doesn't know the situation that you're in? then why do we whine about our circumstances so much? I mean, if God is sovereign, then either he put you there deliberately or he's allowed you to be there. And that includes the places that you don't like so much. You know, don't raise your hand, but how many of you right now do not like your place of employment? Now, don't raise your hand because your boss might be here today. Okay? But do you think God might have had a hand in that job placement for you? Yet you see how we resist it, even resent it? God is in control of our circumstances, but we say things like, God, I hate this boss. God, I hate this job. This isn't a godly place. There are no Christians where I work. That's probably why God put you there. So you can be salt and light and a witness for Christ. I mean, where do you put salt? You put salt where you want to keep things from rotting. Where do you put light? You put light in the dark. So wherever you've been placed, God has a purpose for you. And so ask him, what does he expect out of you in that particular place? You know, what are the eternal ramifications of your temporal discomfort? Now, it's been interesting to me as, as we've had these emails that I've gotten a number from Rockbrook families who have adopted children. We've got several families here at Rockbrook who have adopted uh, children uh, literally from around the world. And God has used circumstances to guide and direct these people to adopt. Listen to this story. I love this. My wife and I got married when I was 50 and she was 38. We had children from previous marriages, but we were near the stage of the empty nester life. We traveled. I played lots of golf. My wife shopped. Neither one of us could have imagined the dramatic turn in our lives that God had planned for us. My wife began talking to me about someone at her work that had adopted a child. This talk went on for several weeks until one evening when she sheepishly asked me what I thought about us adopting a child. Apparently, God had already begun his work on me because I said, I think we should talk about it. Neither of us heard a voice telling us, you should adopt a child. 
This was a slow process as God worked on our hearts and minds with ideas and circumstances that brought us to not only adopt a little girl from China, but to choose to adopt an older child with special needs. Three months later, we decided that our three-year-old daughter should have a sister. God turned our hearts toward the plight of orphaned children in Ethiopia. We wound up adopting two girls from Ethiopia, biological sisters ages three and four. Here's a picture of the Smith family. How cool is that? How has God changed our lives? Within two years, he gave us three children. We don't travel, I don't play golf, and my wife doesn't shop. (laughs) And we don't miss it at all. Instead, God has led us to a fuller, happier life that is more centered on him and on family. This is not a story of us rescuing three little children from poverty around the world. This is a story of three little girls rescuing us from lives without meaning and purpose. We never imagined the joy and happiness these changes would bring. Yeah, yeah, how cool is that? Number seven, God speaks to us through suffering. Proverbs 20, 30, sometimes it takes a painful experience to make us change our ways. Suffering and pain can cause us to step away from our busy lives, saturated with superficial preoccupations, and force us instead to focus on what God wants us to do. Uh, You know, some of us are so caught up, we're so caught up on our emailing and texting and Facebooking and Pinterest and Twitter and Instagram that we don't have time to hear from God. And so God will just hit the pause button and shut all that off in order that he can speak into our lives. When you're flat on your back, you've got no place to look but up. This email comes from someone. I actually got this one from someone who doesn't go to Rockbrook, but I love the story. God spoke to me, though not audibly. I had been suffering from depression and felt like I had been thrown into a dark, deep, black pit. I prayed, asking God, was he there? Or was this Jesus and heaven all make-believe? I cried out for him to bring a tiny light to my darkness. I was completely hopeless, and the joy was sucked out of my life. After many weeks, I heard him speak ever so quietly. By this time, I was running on empty. He said, open your eyes. Why do you not see me? I am right here. I thought I might have imagined it. But I talked to God some more, and slowly very slowly, God showed me that I was so severely focused on myself that I couldn't see him. I started searching for him more after that. He let me know he was really there. Little by little, my depression lessened and eventually went completely away. Now I stay focused on the one who is my light. Now, not all the pain that comes into your life is God speaking to you. But if you have pain in your life, I would encourage you to ask God, God, is this you speaking? What is it that you want me to learn through this difficult situation? Number eight, God speaks through signs. Uh, God sent a sign to the apostles when they attempted to replace Judas. And you know, much like Gideon put out a fleece and the high priest used to have stones that he could use to get a yes-no answer from God, uh, in Acts 1, we have this story. So so they nominated two men. Then they all prayed for the right man to be chosen as an apostle to replace Judas, the traitor, in this ministry. 
for he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and Matthias was chosen and became an apostle. You know, casting lots was a way of asking God for a sign. Which one of these two men are we supposed to pick? But signs can be unclear. And signs can be misinterpreted. In fact, signs can even be fabricated and faked by the devil. So you want to be very cautious with signs. But sometimes God sends signs to guide, to reassure, to comfort us. My mother loved the stars at night and the grandeur of the heavens. If this is only earth, then oh, what heaven must be like, she would say. She was diagnosed with a brain tumor and was brave and fearless through the ordeal. I sat with her when she breathed her last breath. As my husband and I went to go home that night at 10 p.m., we were grief-stricken and prayed for God to bring some comfort. As soon as we prayed, a gigantic, in all caps, gigantic shooting star went from one side of the sky to the other. I had never seen one that brilliant or extensive across the sky. We looked at each other and thought that it was God's way of saying, all is well, I'll take it from here. Now, we must be very careful acting on signs because signs can be difficult to interpret. I mean, is this lady right in interpreting a shooting star as a sign from God? I mean, i got to be honest with you. I don't know. I believe God controls the heavens, so it could be. But more importantly is the message that she took from the sign. That's what's really important. And the message that she took is, all is well with your mother's death. God will take it from here. Now, you take that sign and run it through the five tests. First, does it sound like God? Well, it's a message of comfort. Uh, secondly, is it biblical? Well, God values the life and the death of his people. Is it consistent with how God shaped her? Well, it's consistent with her mother's shape. It was a sign in the heavens. Her mom loved the stars and stuff. Is it wise? It is wise to trust God in a time of grief. And then, is it confirmed by godly people? Well, godly people would say, yes, trust God to take care of you in your grief and to take care of your mother. And so the sign passes the test because of the message that she took from it. Now, if her uh, reaction was that she wanted to sell all her possessions and become an astronaut, we might have a different, uh, different conversation. You know, a lady told her pastor uh, that God was telling her to marry a dark-haired man because on her way to church, a crow had flown in front of her car and landed on a fence post. Now, the pastor thought the reason that she saw that crow as a sign from God that she should marry a dark-haired man is because he knew she currently had a crush on a dark-haired man. Okay? But what if it had been a bald eagle? Or a turkey. Okay? You know, signs can be interpreted any way you want to interpret them. So you've got to be careful with signs. Uh, same thing is true with number nine. Uh, God also speaks to us through dreams and visions. The Bible clearly teaches that, Job 33, 15. He speaks in dreams, in visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on people as they lie in their beds. Uh, here's an email. When God speaks to me, first, he gives me a vision or dream that scares the crap out of me. <laughs> it will present an overwhelming obstacle or set of tasks. There's a feeling of devastation and defeatism. 
So much so that I must pray intensely for a solution, direction, comfort, or just his assurance that we'll be okay. Regardless, each time it forces me to lean on him and to search for his will for my life. Here's another dream. Often when I've been praying for something or someone, God will give me a dream to let me know he hears me. One particular dream concerns my oldest son. Several years ago, I was praying for my son, asking God how I can teach him and lead him to the Lord. One night in a dream, I took my son to a pet store. He walked over to the fish tank and reached his hand in it. Immediately, fish started overflowing and pouring out everywhere. I heard the Lord tell me, your son will be a fisher of men. I have since prayed over my son for this. I know this is a promise from God, and although it may not be an easy direct route for him, he is the Lord's, and God will make him a fisher of men. Okay, now those are, those are two, two different types of dreams, and you may wonder, well, you know, is that God speaking to those people? But again, the message, the takeaway message. You know, in the first one, you have a disturbing dream, and it forces you to pray. Why? Well, you know, who would tell somebody not to do that? Who would tell some mother not to pray that her children, her father, not to pray that her son would grow up to become a fisher of men? Well, no one. I mean, I believe God speaks through all these ways, but each of these methods of communication must be received and acted on cautiously and with wisdom. You know, God wants to speak to you, but you have to listen and you have to have a spirit of obedience as you hear from God. And most importantly, I'd encourage you to take whatever God speaks into your life and run it through those five filters so you can learn to recognize God's voice when he speaks to you. Let's pray together. Maybe you're here today and you've never made that connection of communication with God. You've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I would invite you right now to just say, God, I open up my heart and life to you. I want Jesus to come in and to forgive me of my sins. Give me that new life, that eternal life, abundant life. Make me your child so that I can learn to recognize your voice, so I can hear from you. And maybe you're a believer, but you recognize that there are barriers. There is a broken line of communication between you and God. I would encourage you just to confess any sin, to to offer forgiveness to anyone who's hurt you, to to just uh, clean up your life so that line of communication from God can flow openly and freely with you. And God, we would pray that you would give us a spirit of obedience, that as you speak into our lives, that as we recognize your voice, that we would follow, that we would obey, that we would live the way that you are calling us to live. Father, thank you for the privilege of having you speak into our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.